I'm Justin Liu, and you're listening to Behind the Creators, a podcast featuring the stories and perspectives of creators today. As a team looking to build a product in the creator space, we're using this podcast as a way to see things through the eyes of podcast hosts, TikTok stars, Twitch streamers, you name it, to gain a deeper understanding for some of the challenges and considerations they face behind the scenes. Our guests today are Jano and Nelly, the co-hosts of the podcast, Two Addies and a Coffee, Please. As two Asian American women with ADHD, Juno and Nelly are tackling the elephant in the room that is mental health, with their own unfiltered conversations and authentic experiences, as well as some amazing guests, including doctors, authors, and founders. They're aiming to help destigmatize mental health issues in their own way, through laughs, cries, and everything in between. In this conversation with Juno and Nelly, we touch on what brought them together in the first place, what inspired them to start a podcast and the challenges they continue to face in getting feedback from their listeners and getting their conversations to reach the right people. Enjoy. Where I'd love to start is just to just to get a little bit more background about you guys, um, just individually, before you got into podcasting, who you guys are, I would love to then uh, walk into sort of what was the spark to eventually start to Addies. Sure. Um, I can give a little bit of background on myself. So I'm originally from New York City, and I went to UC Berkeley for school, and I studied economics and entrepreneurship. And then for work, I'm a product manager. Cool. Um, and I work in like the tech education space. I'm currently a curriculum developer for big data. And before this, I was an instructor slash curriculum developer for data science. And I also grew up in New York City. I went to University of Michigan for like a year, <laughs> and then I went to a boot camp. But yeah. Amazing, amazing. And so how did you guys know each other in the first place? And what inspired you to, to start Two Addies? So me and Juno, <laughs> I like met way back in high school. So back when we were 14 and we stayed in touch throughout, I guess, 10 years now. <laughs> so it's like a decade of us being friends. And uh, me and Juno both struggled with certain things in high school. And that's how we bonded. So we always studied together, um, do exams, prep together um and then when we went to college well I continued going to college and Juno like dropped out and she did her own thing but we stayed in contact because of all of the struggles that we had and mostly um because last year we both got diagnosed with ADHD and everything just made a lot more sense and we found kind of a connection and support from each other and we wanted to actually start a startup so we did a lot of market research and interviewing people um, but I think it's a little like you can't just ask someone like what your diagnosis is so we just thought like if we shared our story people will come to us instead of us going to people and try to approach it from a little bit more of like sharing our story and see who resonates with us and iterate that way. One of the motivations also was that I was just so surprised that we went like so how old did it, it was, we were just like 22 last year right? <laughs> so yeah, like 20, 22 years having like huge issues that like affected every single part of your life and you were and it was like so frustrating and Nelly was like the only person I could talk to who, to like relate I think it was just like some offhand remark we made one time about like high functioning ADHD and we looked it up and I was like oh my god our whole life makes sense <laughs> so it's just like it's the like lack of education is like crazy and there's so many people out there especially like Asian Americans um that don't understand that mental health is a thing and that you can be okay and smart and whatever and still have these issues so yeah and I think another thing was that we wanted to just be like when people talk about like normalizing mental health and you see all these like promotions and videos and education on mental health I think that's really great but 
I think it's different when you can just talk about life in general and not just be talking like, hi, I'm someone with ADHD, but like, hi, I'm a human. And these are like X, Y, Z, this is my dude, this is my personality. This is why I'm great. This is why I'm like weird, but just making it be like more personal and more like real. Cause a lot of the reactions we get when we tell people we had ADHD, they're like, no, you don't like, what, what do you mean? Mm. And people, their perception of what ADHD is just so is, is so wrong. <laughs> so yeah, mm-hmm. we just wanted to be like a more personal, like voice in mental health and ADHD. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. And I'm curious too, why, why specifically um, a podcast as far as like the form of media that you wanted to kind of have these discussions in and, and I guess send these messages through as opposed to maybe others that are out there, including videos and, and others. Nelly smiling. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we actually were, we were interviewing one of my like close friends and the entire time I was I was also friends with her since 14 when we were in high school and she was always like oh it's just a Nelly problem or you're 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 just lazy you need to try harder you have so much potential and it's all of those comments that people have been saying to me my entire life but then when we were doing this interview with her she saw me and Juno having the same exact problem she was like oh my god there's two of you and this <laughs> makes so much sense now and it's kind of makes the problem like not a you thing but like a general problem and you are just the person experiencing it um and I think she basically said that I never thought about it that way you guys should start a podcast and I was like no we couldn't possibly start a podcast I don't know anything like about like production editing anything and I think I think after a week I was like yo Juno we should do it like, fuck it, let's just pump out four <laughs> episodes in one month and see what happens. And she was like, oh, I don't want to have our names attached to it. Because I think there is still some, so much stigma. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking like, oh, do I really want my name attached to a certain diagnosis or whatever? Because you can't really control how other people take you or what their preconceptions are, or their biases. And I didn't want to be discriminated for that. But at the same time, like the whole point is to destigmatize it. But if I'm too afraid to like talk about it, th- that's like contradictory. So I was like, you know, like, yeah, let's do it and see what happens. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think for a while also, we went back and forth about like wanting to do YouTube. I think we just like, like wanted to be content creators for a while. Um, but I think th- this isn't all of it, but also like a small part of it for me was like, I've uh, grown up being told that I got certain things because I'm a girl. And like, cause I look a certain way and everyone in like my field is like very, very not like me, like older, male, white, whatever. So I think it was really important to me to know that something I made like succeeded for the content itself um, and nothing else that people can like point fingers at. So I think that was really freeing. And I also really liked that. I don't know. It's just like really intimate and like mics are cool. (laughs) Oh yeah. (laughs) You got the entire setup. Yeah. And we like hearing our voices. Because <laughs> <laughs> I feel like sometimes video distracts us. Yeah. But then when we're talking into a mic, we forget that other people are going to listen to it. Because like, we don't, okay, well, I don't really <laughs> listen to our episodes after I finish editing it. <laughs> yeah, I think that makes a huge difference too. Because like at Udacity, my last job, I had to talk to a camera and I had to like keep tell- reminding myself every few seconds that like, okay, imagine like my cousin behind the camera. Imagine this person behind the camera. I'm trying to encourage this person. But when you're recording a podcast, we just look at each other. So, and we did that for Clubhouse too. Um, it's like very weird talking to nothing or a camera. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That makes yeah. a lot of sense, actually. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> so for for you guys, then um, I'm curious. You guys, this 
like just going on the journey, decided to, to start this podcast. How did you go about deciding exactly which conversations and topics you wanted to tackle? And eventually, uh, you know, when it came to guests and such, how did that kind of decision process go down? I would say it wasn't much of a decision process. It was like an <laughs> influx of information and I just like did everything all at once. So I think like the good thing with ADHD is that you can hyper-focus. So when I, me and Juno were both like into this podcast, the only thing we thought about was the podcast. So I would go to sleep thinking about the podcast, wake up, think about the podcast and everything else was like, oh, how it could relate to each other. So I would read a lot of books and we did a lot of research. So like reading research literature on PubMed and then also reading other people's blogs, going on Reddit, watching other people's YouTubes, TikToks, um, just uh, consume a bunch of information and then also think back on the conversations that me and Juno had. So back when it was like summer, we were talking pretty much every day because we were working on a project together and we would spend five hours a day talking to each other. And I was like, what the fuck could we possibly be talking <laughs> to each other about and it, was, it happened for like from like maybe June July all the way to like December and it was literally like every single day or like three times a week at least um and then drawing from our previous conversations we pulled out themes that kept coming up or we asked our friends like what would you like to understand or what is typical for you but it's like hard for me and I would have all of those conversations with my friends and then also try to see like what the spicy topics are and see our engagement and then track um what worked and what didn't work so like for one of our episodes we had a lot of views and a lot of people reaching out and saying like oh I want to talk to you about this and they like personally dm me and I'm like oh whoa whoa because <laughs> I don't know it's like people meet you either in person or they meet you based on the content that you create. But then having those two worlds collide, was like a little jarring for me. Um, but then I realized that getting that engagement and feedback kind of puts you into the direction of what your guess, customers or consumers want. And then it frames everything in a sense that you could actually be helpful to them and frame the advice into the questions that they actually want to get answered. So I had friends like tell me, oh, I really want you to talk about this a little bit more, share experience or opinions on this topic. And then we would come up with these larger themes and then break it down into like how we would want to structure this to be engaging. Adding on to what she said, like it's been really helpful um, understanding like what exact pieces like people relate a lot to. And I think the ones that got the, the episodes that got like the most views, I feel like we were not super intentionally doing this, but we were like super vulnerable, exposing a lot of stuff that people found like, whoa, how could you say that? But I think that's what they like the most. And also I think the stuff that like we're most hyped to talk about, we're probably really hyped to talk about because it's like fascinating that we related in this way that we can't relate to like other people on. And I think those are the moments that a lot of our listeners are like, oh my God, like, wow, how did I find this podcast? Like, it's so cool. And I think, um, yeah, I think like constantly trying to see what people are saying and which parts are like engaging, I think is super important. So I kind of regret not finding like a consistent way to get feedback earlier. I just realized that there's like this voice message thing they can leave on Anchor. I'm so pissed we didn't turn that on earlier. <laughs> and like when, and cause I also think there's a lot of people who probably want to talk to us or say some like comments to us, but it's like a little word to post on Instagram. It's so public and there's only a couple comments and like not everyone from the podcast platforms like know that there's like an Instagram um, or the DM you and that takes courage too apparently and they also feel like bad talking too much and I was like oh my god what but <laughs> I think there needs to be like a very low like 
barrier and make it like super mm-hmm. chill to talk to each other. Um, so we also wanted to start, like, I thought we should start like a Facebook page. Um, but then I was like, who uses Facebook? <laughs> I mean, who uses Facebook? Sure. Well, I, I don't know about now. <laughs> okay. Yeah. 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 Totally get it. And then you mentioned like, you eventually kind of found what types of ways to get more direct feedback from your listeners. You mentioned um, Anchor, leaving a voice message, Instagram, like what what types of things are you using? And like, what do you feel like currently are the best ways you gather feedback from listeners, like views, that type of thing? This is like, okay, we didn't try this yet. We sort of tried it, but we think the way we should go forward is potentially TikTok and Clubhouse. <laughs> Yeah, and totally. we think, uh, and a big thing is because we recently collaborated with um, the Asian Mental Health Project for a clubhouse event. And that made me like insanely happier than I expected. And it was so chill. It was nice because we, I think it would be a cool place to not just um, engage with our listeners, but also kind of get feedback on what aspects and like the nuances of a certain topic they're most interested in, what they care about, like where they might be like uncertain and need encouragement or where they really appreciate advice. Um, and it's really cool being able to talk in a discussion too, because you can hear like their experiences and uh, what they have to say to each other. Yeah, I just think that's, um, especially for something as intimate as a podcast, I think having a community like live is super important. Oh, and Nelly, do you want to talk about the TikTok part? <laughs> that was mostly your idea, I think. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> I'm an avid user of TikTok. Well, most, okay, I feel like I'm too old for TikTok, but I feel like... <laughs> really thoroughly enjoy it because I feel like the attention span that I have is like so short and it's just enough for me to be entertained and find like information so I find random information on TikTok and then I'll go on Google and do research and that'll lead me to a book or an article and I think it's like a great way to um, get interested in different topics and also the interaction that you have with the people like viewing your video is always like in the comment section it's really like easy interaction low effort but also people are just more chill like you don't need to have a curated feed like on instagram or like facebook it's just like you can just throw whatever dumpster (laughs) idea you have see if it works if you get views or not um and i think like I downloaded TikTok back in March of 2020 when quarantine started happening. And I realized that it was so easy to get viral on TikTok if you like do it the right way. So I remember just like posting, like shit posting on TikTok. And then one of them got like a lot of freaking views. And I was so confused because I didn't, that was like the first five minutes I was using it. And I was very confused as what was happening. But I think like I've seen like all, all the other creators, they shit post and some of them like gets thousands of hundreds of thousands of views and I'm like wow it's like 30 second video 60 second video but you can engage with people really quickly um get feedback but also not have super like super engaged with your content or attached to your content that you could iterate quickly so I think the main thing about TikTok is you can post whatever you want have low effort in it and then also iterate quickly so that you can post other content that would be engaging for your audience and then if you test it out on TikTok then you can put that into a more high effort project like another episode idea or what people have been commenting on so sometimes I'll look for like trends and like the mental health like TikToks and see like oh what are people wondering about or questioning and I think a lot of the trends from TikTok try to like go on to Instagram and then that feeds into um, other parts of social media and then into like mainstream media. 
Yeah. I also think another aspect that's helpful is, I don't know. I think one of the reasons people like our podcast is that it's like very, I don't know. We swear a lot. It's explicit, but it's not like intentional. It's just that we're not very professional all the time. Or we could sound, we could say like legitimate things and be like, okay, yeah, they did research. Or like, oh yeah, they're, they can speak well, but I don't know. We can still like fuck around kind of. I think we have that in our bio occasionally. Oh, yeah. around. <laughs> I'm just like, please, we are not that formal. Like come to us. And I think the right audience is probably on TikTok. I, and I've yeah. had... I have had people like come to me on LinkedIn and they coffee chat me and I'm like, oh God, like you see my podcast and then you see like my professional like den. Then I'm like, I don't know which direction I can go in. Like, I don't know what you're looking for. So then I like go in the middle, which is just awkward for everyone. And I'm like, okay, what do you, what do you want from me? And then I'll like try to tailor myself. But I think it's like on TikTok, you can just truly be yourself without any thought because it's just supposed to be like a chill app. Um, you just post for fun. It's not supposed to be taken very seriously. Mm -hmm. And also, I think when we were doing our conducting our interviews to market research for our startup, we learned so many things during our interviews, mm -hmm. like random tricks and random advice that were super helpful. And hearing that um, and like hearing the similarities across them made me realize like, oh, shit, there's a lot of things out there that people have found out like individually. And they struggled so much to get this information and figure this out. And like they came up with similar things. But I just think like that should be aggregated somewhere. And I think in like, I, I think I scrolled through TikTok for like, what, like 15 minutes earlier with Nelly. And I found like three interesting facts about ADHD that are like fascinating. I was like, wow, there's a name for that. And it's like kind of the, the revelation I got while talking to with Nelly. So I feel like TikTok is just like a bite-sized, like entertaining way to get a bunch of that too. I know like there's been a couple podcasts that have like popped up in my TikTok feed where it's just like a snippet of like a clip or something like that. And like, they've been able to get tens of thousands of views and like response to whatever is being said in the video. And I thought like that, that makes a ton of sense, especially as far as like discoverability and things like that. So I totally agree there. I'm curious too, has there been a certain approach that you've been able to take in terms of just being able to, to make sure that you're getting your podcast or content to the right people and the right audience? Has there been like a, any structured approach or strategies that you guys have taken or has it mostly been, hey, we'll just like send this out to the world and hopefully whoever wants to find it, will find it. We initially, <laughs> we got blocked from a few Facebook groups. <laughs> <What? laughs> <laughs> we're like, oh, fuck, promotional material. Like, come on, we're trying to help you with ADHD. Jesus. <laughs> what if this is a learning resource? If I was not me and I was like, oh my God, guys, this is this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I think we got blocked because we were looking for interviews too, but I guess it's the way you frame it. Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I think <laughs> most of us just like kind of like throwing spaghetti against the wall and seeing what sticks. So we've tried a bunch of different um, mechanisms for marketing. Marketing is not my favorite thing to do. So but like, I don't, I don't like it, but I think it's definitely really powerful if you can find exactly who your users are and your consumers and then be able to channel that to them and give them that sp the space to find this information. So we tried Facebook groups. So we're Asian and we have mental health issues. <laughs> so we joined Subtle Asian Mental Health and we started posting there. Um, and then another group that we found was Asian Hustle Network. I think we got a lot of support there, not necessarily as 
we're marketing our podcast, but kind of sharing our experience with um, mm-hmm. mental health, ADHD, and our story. And I think a lot of the comments were super encouraging. I think I remember this one comment, this one girl was like, oh, I was also at UC Berkeley. I also majored in bio. And then like, I also now don't like do anything with bio and she works in tech. And I was like, oh my God, like there's so many similarities, but I never found that community at Berkeley, which I was like, where are you <laughs> when I was there? <laughs> but I think now hearing that she was like, oh, it's like reading a page out of my diary. And I feel like that is one of the things that I was like, oh, that's really good feedback that someone wants to feel validated and feel like they're heard. And that's how we kind of like think about our contents. We want it to be, we want it to be intimate and connect with that person to validate their experience and what they're feeling is not all made up in their mind. So that was one mechanism we tried. We also tried um, Instagram. I think that was a little bit higher effort for us because you have to like go on Canva, like do everything. Mm. And I think me and Juno were both like a little bit perfectionist. So we like fiddle around with this one post for like hours. And then we also tried Reddit, which was really interesting. We also got like a lot of comments there. And then we most successful, which I would say is like collaborations with other podcasts and other organizations and then tapping into their network. So we interviewed like an author, we interviewed psychiatrists and founders of startups and also like different mental health organizations. We also spammed a bunch of people in the beginning. Like when we first launched, (laughs) um, we we were like, yeah, we spammed our stories. We spammed their stories. I think they like shared, we made them share our posts. (laughs) We had like 5,000 people, guys like this, follow this and share this. Thank you. (laughs) Totally get it. Been there before. Yeah, I definitely saw your podcast where at the beginning it was just episodes, conversations between you two. And then eventually, I think the last three episodes, you had a bunch of amazing guests on. Like, how did you transition there? How did you get in contact with these people? And uh, are there any other podcasts you did where you were guests on other people's podcasts? And how did that happen? I spend a lot of time on the internet. (laughs) So I am very okay with uh, messaging people and cold emailing people so if I like saw their story on Asian Hustle Network or like I don't know subtle Asian product management those are the groups that I'm in so I just keep scrolling around on LinkedIn and I see their stories and I think it's interesting then I'll just message them on whether they're open to having a collaboration or how we can work together and usually they suggest something like an Instagram live or a clubhouse event or like actually coming onto our podcast so I'm like we're very open to any forum any um, platform and then after we find those people who would be a good fit usually we kind of chat with them for 15 minutes to see whether we can find something to talk about in commonality and then kind of structure our conversation that way. I also think that like our workflow is kind of in bursts. Like when we first launched, we we just recorded a bunch and we planned everything. And I think we created like a pitch deck because you wanted to show it to someone. And we wrote like, um, yeah, we and we had ideas for like, I don't know, like uh, how many are in our episode scripts? I don't know, there's like 20 or something. It's like a bunch of random notes and ideas. And then after we recorded three or four, no, actually after I recorded five, I think Nelly got like way more comments than she expected on her posts, like in the groups about collabs. And we were like, oh yeah, I guess we have no time to record ourselves. We're just doing a bunch of collabs and it just like lasted for a while. So I think, yeah, we record a burst of recording then a burst of uh, posting, which led to a burst of collabs. And now I think we have to get back on like sharing mm-hmm. some of our own stories. I, think I don't know if that was the- super intentional, like that transition. <laughs> I think creating um, the pitch deck or like a, uh- 
book strategy deck was super helpful in aligning us to the longer term um, vision and what we both envisioned this to be. And I created that because I got a comment from someone who said he wanted to sponsor our podcast, but it was like day three of us launching and I felt <laughs> panic and I was like, oh my God, we have no <laughs> plans. So I like created this deck and I shared it with him and he was, he was so chill about it. He was like, yeah, I'll just like buy some equipment for you guys, which was super nice. And I think it was like really thankful and grateful that he wanted to support these organizations because he like shared that this is a problem that is very close to him and what we're doing raising awareness and things like that is something that could destigmatize mental health issues just in like the Asian American community and I guess the wider society at large. Totally. Yeah. And on, on that point too, I'm curious what you guys have landed on in terms of what the broader vision for, for the podcast is. Is this something where ideally like you'd want to continue, of course, making new content, talking with more guests, and of course, telling more of your own stories, and maybe grow this into a, a wider platform, or basically just curious on how you guys are thinking about the potential future of this podcast? I think in the beginning, we were doing this because we wanted to get a lot of people for our startup <laughs> and like get get our like product to the right people so you can um like we have to create a community that would be like our ideal <laughs> totally. i mean it was kind of like it, it like helped each other because the people who would want to listen to us probably would be interested in a product like this and they got excited about the other thing um but i think we're definitely still figuring out what it's going to look like long term i do think that if we continue like i think we genuinely like we both really loved the clubhouse event um it was really fun low effort and it's like connecting with people which I forgot <laughs> I forgot what that was like because I've been like a hermit for so long and I would only have like one-on-one -on -one conversations and I forgot I love talking in groups and I think TikTok will be a very like a favorite <laughs> because it's a little bit more fun but yeah I think I think we just have to be consistent and just throw ourselves at everything and see what happens yeah and pulling up my our strategy roadmap our mission statement here <laughs> is <laughs> That's great. We want to normalize mental health conversations within the Asian American community and provide support for people who need comfort when they feel alone. And as Asian American women, we face unique struggles through the intersectionality of our identities and we want to share our stories to empower others. Yeah. <laughs> Solid one. We can put that in the intro. Ketan <laughs> <laughs> Nelly is the entrepreneurship person. <laughs> I think we've talked a bunch about you know, how you've gotten to, to where you are now, the kind of journey and the motivations behind figuring out what content you wanted to create, as well as some ideas for the future. Um, across all of this journey so far, what have been the biggest challenges as far as everything from brainstorming new ideas and thinking of new ways to create content to the actual distribution to uh, promotion and getting the content to the right people? What have been the toughest parts that you guys have had to figure out along the way? You go first, Nelly. <laughs> okay. I think for me is um, the marketing aspect and then finding time to really work on this. So I I, I do have a full-time job and I'm also working on um, a book. So that does take up a lot of my time and I don't want to like half-ass shit. So I, I do tr want to try and produce like good content, but you can't do that every single week when you have other commitments. So I... Would like to I would like to create more episodes and post it more frequently, but I don't think that's feasible to kind of churn out something every week when you have limited time. So that is one of the biggest constraints. And then I would say like marketing because 
just really not good at it. <laughs> I don't like it. So if I don't like something, it's really hard for me to do. But I think like that's a really big struggle. I think marketing is really powerful, but I feel like if we could find someone who loves marketing and super passionate, that'd be great and outsource our work for that. Totally. I also think that the way we get motivated, especially, I don't know, we still have ADHD. That's our whole thing. Um, (laughs) We don't do things until like the last minute sometimes. And it takes a lot to be motivated. And even if we really like something, I think that's one of the reasons Clubhouse might be really cool because we need like immediate gratification <laughs> or like feedback that will like give us a thing of dopamine we're like ah oh, okay associate work with like awesome stuff and I think at work too if there's like a presentation I'll work work my ass off because I have to do well and it's like exciting and you get to have feedback and you can tell if you did well or did like eh, and it's you have like people to interact with so I definitely think if there was a way to get that audience um like live it would be super helpful because that's one of the things I'm most missing especially because I've been working from home for like a while, um, actually since, yeah, since like 2017. And that has always been the biggest difficulty for me, like not having, I don't know, something in my face and like direct um, validation. But yeah. And also the fact that we're both like, we work in bursts. And when we, I think with the times that we've been most productive, we met like, we had like four meetings a week. Um, Mm -hmm. And they were a combination of work sessions or like, um, researching and interviews. Actually, no, I'm sorry. We had four meetings a week, but we also had like interviews all days of the week. It was like insane. I think we were looking back on our calendar and we were like, what the fuck? Like we've been doing that for like how, what, how many weeks? And we didn't even realize that was a thing. And you can tell there's like gaps in our calendar, like record everything. And then like interview, like, like, and then like for, it's a quiet and then like restart. And I feel like maybe that's a better (laughs) workflow for us. Kind of the way we recorded all the videos up front, made all the collabs up front, recorded everything up front, then edit all like we have to like do everything in like chunks (laughs) and then release slowly. I think it was really funny too, because I was in a different time zone. So I was in China and well, Juno was an EST and we also had all those meetings just oh. lined up. And I was like, okay, wow. I like did not remember that, but only no, I only remember this when I look at my calendar and see what we have done. If you had to summarize any of like the, the main key takeaways, key learnings that you guys have been able to uh, discover throughout, you know, the past few months of working on two Addies, going through the process, going through the journey, talking to people, what would you highlight for anybody who might be curious about doing something similar themselves down the line? I jotted some things down, but I would say <laughs> just do it. <laughs> That's one thing because I think you psych yourself out out of all of these different projects. So I would just say like, just just do it. Don't think about it too much or think about failing. I think that's what causes a lot of people to never start projects that they say they always want to start. And I think the biggest realization for me is that time is very limited. And when you're young, you think you have so much time that you can always start this later. So then you push it off and off. Um, But I think if you just focus and try to get like an MVP out there and try to iterate quickly, that can definitely support your hypothesis on whether this will work or not. And then the second thing is like understand product market fit. So understand who your consumers are, understand what their needs are, like create a solution for an actual problem. Don't create something just because you want it. So I think that was like second biggest takeaway. And then also marketing strategically. 
I think sometimes we blast it on our personal accounts, but not everyone would be interested in mental health or really give a fuck about what we're doing. So I think like try to find people who give a fuck about what you're doing and build a community around them and then try to interact and engage with them. And then I would also say most important is to have fun because like this is, you're not getting paid for this. Um, it's not your full-time job. There's no benefits. The only thing is to have fun and really enjoy the process of creating or telling your story or anything that you want to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think when I first uh, got inspired to do this podcast was like, I think in the beginning I was nervous. Like, oh my God, I'm going to be like, I think I was, I was actually, I think I had like a mini, mini panic attack then. Cause I was like, so stressed out from several things. And I was working at the salon for my parents and whatever. And I was like freaking out. I was like, oh my God, not another project. But then I was reading a bunch of stuff. And I think one thing that stuck with me was that like the special thing about podcasts is that you get to be super authentic and like, it gives you a chance to really like at least for me, I get like distracted by um, like other people and like my self image and shit. It's so stupid. But when it's just like a mic and like Nelly, it's like really much easier to be authentic and vulnerable and just like real. And I kind of forget that like, it's going to go out into the public. <laughs> but I think for me, it was also helpful to um, like write down when I felt that way, like why? Cause I think it's really easy to just say what a goal you have and what mission excites you. But I think for me personally, I have to like write out the feelings I was having I know it sounds so sappy but it works um like even if it's like a couple sentences like why I was motivated to do this and why it's special to me um also it's a little ironic because my whole job is about like data and how you're supposed to get as much data as you can up front and like be have, make data driven decisions and whatever but I think in the very beginning of starting this podcast um if I were to do it again I would definitely figure out a way well a to figure out a way to get like accurate analytics from our podcast platforms. Cause those are a little bit whack. And we found out recently that like some of them were not accurate. And I think we were using anchor to distribute our content on like eight different platforms, but you can also get them transferred back to you like ownership. And we didn't do that until later. Um, and I would also, yeah. And also the thing about feedback, like I would have wanted some like mechanisms to get uh, collect like a lot of, lot of feedback and have discussions like live or just like messages and make that really easy for them. So having that data upfront would have been helpful because I think us looking back at our episode performances, it wasn't always super clear to us why certain things did better than others. Like sometimes it's about the topic, sometimes it's about timing, sometimes it's about marketing, the time in between each episode release. There's so many different factors. So I think like trying to isolate those would also be helpful. Yeah, this is super helpful for us to 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 think about especially just like putting ourselves in the shoes of you and other content creators okay awesome i i know you guys are are busy individuals like i said we'll we'll keep you updated um but thank you so much again for the time um and and all your perspectives it's so so helpful awesome thanks for writing us yeah bye